This is the Your Church Friends Podcast, and we are back with Season 2. Join us as we sit down with some of our church friends to discuss these topics and more. What is worship? Can I trust God? How should I study my Bible? And popular Christian catchphrases. It's Season 2 of the Your Church Friends Podcast. Our Church Friends. Enjoy. Enjoy. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I am Chris. I'm Yudlif. And today we are joined with Pastor Brian Moore. Do you prefer Pastor Brian or you just want to uh, be Brian? You just call me Brian. That's what my mom named me. So you can call me what my, my mom named me, Brian. How about PB? PB is good. <laughs> I was really thinking he was going to say his mom named him Pastor. <laughs> but B Moore is what people call me, but whatever. Oh, I uh, like B Moore. Yeah, that one's cool. I'll just go with Brian. Uh, and he is the pastor from Cross Point Church in Anaheim, and he's joining us today. And we we got a topic for everybody today. It is Christian compromise, and so I'm just going to get into it. Also, because Brian has somewhere else to be shortly, and we're just going to roll with this. So, first question, Brian, straight out the gate: What is Christian compromise? Man, Christian compromise. When you brought up this topic, hey, first and foremost, thank you for allowing me to. Uh, man, just be in this conversation and engage this conversation with you guys. I've enjoyed getting to know you better and just love your guys' heart uh, just for other people as well, too, man. So honor you guys just for uh, addressing great conversations that uh, people uh, are interested in. And, you know, Christian compromise uh, is, you know, it's it's uh, it's making, you know, when I think about compromise, it's like compromise isn't always a bad word. Whenever I'm trying to like compromise with my kids or I'm trying to compromise with my wife or I'm trying to come up with a compromise if I'm negotiating something to where we meet in the middle and I give up, you give up and we get there. But when I think about Christian compromise, I see it as a negative word more than I see it as a positive word because I see, hey, I should be all in with Jesus going God's way. And if I give up any of God's way, now I start pointing for moving God's way to go in the world's way. And that would be a, a compromise uh, where it's like, I want to be all in for Jesus. I want to love him with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. So that's what I immediately think about whenever I think about Christian compromise. That's a really good point because yeah, anywhere else compromise can be a pretty good thing. It's like, hey, let's negotiate something and try and get to something that can work out for both parties. But I think where it doesn't work out for Christians and kind of what you were coming on is like, we want to be all in for Jesus. But then we realize like, well, what are we compromising or who are we compromising with on the flip side? And it's like the enemy is not an enemy that you can negotiate with. Yeah. Like you give an inch and he'll stab you in the stomach. You know, it's not really yes. like, oh, yeah, let's come up with a compromise that works for both parties. So, yeah, I, I get you. I think that within the Christian realm, we tend to and probably should, unless Chris has some different wisdom, kind of look at it as more on the negative side. Yeah, it's a really interesting point because I never actually looked at it that if I yell at my kids, you guys need to learn to compromise when you're playing together. Yeah. Right. We talk about compromise all the time. You brought up great points, Brian, about marriage. Like for most people say, if you want to have a successful marriage, there's compromise involved. But you can't flip that. To like, say, if you want to have a successful Christian life, there's compromise involved. Right. You know, it's, it's one, it's, it's not that even like right now we're, we're doing this, uh, this podcast is being recorded remotely. So Murdoch's in the middle of what freeway did you say you were in? The 99 up past Madera. So I'm like central California. So he's, he's way out there, Brian, you're at home. I'm at home. 
and usually record through our programs and that wasn't working. So I had to compromise to get this going. Right. And I thought we're looking at it. That's okay. Compromise is okay. So I think that's maybe where the struggle comes in is that in our normal life, compromise is okay. But in our Christian life, in our walk with God, it can't be. Yeah. You know, something else that comes to mind is you talked about what does it mean to, to Christian compromise? And I think this word Christian really has to be unpacked as well, because Newsweek magazine did a, did a survey that 80% of Americans consider themselves to be Christians. Well, awesome. my question is, <laughs> do you think 80% of the people, okay, that, that are in schools, all right, that are in government, that, that are in the workplace that we work with, uh, that, that the people are listening to right now that you're with, you think 80% of the people you work with are truly Christians? I would say not. Uh, and if there was 80% of the world that was actually a Christian, uh, then the world would look a lot different. Our, our cities would look different. Man, our schools would look different. Everything around our marriages would look different. Man, our relationships would look different. Our dating lives would look different. And so I, I go back to say, Jesus, he never called anyone to be a Christian. Now, it's, it's not a bad term. It's found in Acts. It says they were called Christians first at Antioch. But Jesus yep. called people to be disciples. And, and there's a big difference. I mean, that word disciple is the word methotos. I mean, it means all-in follower. It's no compromise. And so I think that there's a difference between being a Christian and being a disciple. And I don't believe that if you just pray a prayer and ask Jesus into your heart and your life, that that means that, hey, you're good and you can go live however the hell you want. I think Jesus died on the cross because he wanted every part of us with no compromise. And that's why he said in Luke, you're going to follow me. You're going to be my disciple. You've got to take up your cross daily and follow me with no compromise. So I think there's a difference between being a disciple and being a Christian. I'm fully with you on everything that you just said. And definitely, yeah, when he says you must lose your life for my sake in various other ways that he that he words all of it, he's very clear. And it's a repeated point that, yeah, you follow me with absolutely everything. And even going to the first commandment is to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, all of your everything. No compromise there or shouldn't be. I, I like that you brought that up, Brian, because uh, I just got done two weeks in a row and belong thanks to Murdoch it being two weeks in a row it's supposed to be one week but became two because he's in the middle of nowhere uh, talking about discipleship and, and what is a disciple and what does a disciple do so I really do like that comparison and that terminology that's so much better I think that that if we do start stripping some of the terms that we've taken through faith and religion and just start putting back those words that Christ used well, well, what did he call his disciples disciples you know, he, he said, you are my disciples and you know me. Um, and, and that's what it was about. And when I think about what Murdoch was saying, like the first commandment is love God with all your heart. I always think about the rich young ruler because, you know, a lot of times as preachers, we kind of go into the, this is about his uh, money thing and this and that or a heart thing. But really it was, it's an interesting conversation as he's talking to him. He said, you know, the commandments, right? And he's like, yeah, I've kept them all from my youth. And then Jesus says, all right, let's go after the very first commandment. Give up all your possessions and follow me. And right there, he's like, oh, no, I can't do that. And he walked away. He couldn't even, after boastfully bragging about keeping all the commandments since his youth, couldn't keep the very first commandment. Love God with all your heart, 
And, and, uh, and I, so I think it's interesting that I, I really like that when we kind of now we're, we're talking about compromise, but we're also like saying, okay, Christian compromise. What about disciple compromise? Cause disciple is all in. Yeah. And Chris, you brought up the rich young ruler, which I think is a great conversation about compromise too, because I, I believe this and scripture doesn't say this, but, but I believe it. I think there's some principles here. You know, Jesus didn't ask everybody to be a disciple, to be part of his inner circle 12. All right. So, I mean, he, he had his inner circle, but there were some people he healed and they said, Hey, can we follow you? He said, no, 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 no. You go back home. You go back to your city. But when he went to the rich young ruler, he asked him to sell everything that he had and come and follow him. He asked him for this no compromise life and and the benefit. He says, you're going to be my, I think I could be wrong. I think he was calling him to be one of the one of the 12, to be one of those disciples. And yet we know the names of all the disciples. We can list all their names today. We know him as the rich young ruler. Hmm. We don't know who he is. He could have written some of the scriptures, but he chose to compromise. He chose the riches of this world over this rich and satisfying life that Jesus called him to possibly to even be a disciple. One of the 12. I think that within that, with what you're saying, that's really interesting. I'm going to have to ponder that later when we're not on air and really really look at that because I like what you're tracking with. But really even looking where Jesus says that it's a difficult thing for rich people to enter into the kingdom because you have Jesus going, you know, to the fishermen and, you know, and to some different areas and they just left their stuff. They went, yes, I can see what God is offering. I can see that this is the man of God that I want to follow. And here you have somebody who touched on it who, has like the pleasures of this life and how much harder that can make it in our estimation, right? Because when you're looking at compromise, you're looking at, okay, what's the deal I'm going to make? What do I have? What is it worth? And then what's the other option? And what am I willing to give up? And man, the treasures and the pleasures of this earth can be very deceiving and have a very strong hold on us to go, I don't know if I can give that up. Like, is it really worth it? <laughs> like, is this godly life really worth it? Because it seems like I've got it made. And because that is, if we're gonna like talk about the word compromise, because so we broke down like Christian and disciple, and now we're, let's break down the word compromise. The word compromise is like, yeah, I've got to give up something I really want in order to make someone else get what they want. And uh, so when we remodeled our house, not everything in my house that got remodeled is what I wanted but I made compromises with my wife so that way she could be happy with the house she's living in. Also, even to this day, I, I've got, we got stuff hanging up on our walls that not on the wall behind me, but on other places we have stuff hanging up on the walls. And I would like my house to be like the wall behind me. It's nothing. There's blank. I don't want anything hanging up there, but my wife does. So we've compromised in our living room. There's just a small little section that has stuff hanging up there, but it's to make her happy but I'm giving up something for, for her. And, and I like what you're saying, Murdoch, that when then we put the word of now that we understand it, and then we look at what we get when we follow God completely, am I willing to compromise a fraction of that just to satisfy myself? Because that's really the big question, right? Am I willing to give up a piece of what I got from God to satisfy myself? Oftentimes we do. You know, and and I think that we all have that flesh and the spirit are battling against one another. So you can't do the things that you want to do. And 
I think that that's where the crux of the compromise comes in as well, too, is, man, we, we have this war going on between the flesh and the spirit. And, you know, uh, you, you guys may have heard the, the, the old story as well about the guy who had the two dogs. You know, he's got the mm -hmm. white dog and a black dog and they always fight each other back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And they go and ask the guy, they said, so, you know, which one of those dogs usually wins? So the black dog, the white dog, he's like, it's the dog I feed the most. And I, I think that when it comes to compromise, we have this flesh and we have this spirit and we've got to feed the spirit and starve the flesh when it comes to this compromise. Uh, uh, otherwise, Man, we're going to, the, the flesh is going to defeat the spirit. I'm moving to application. I, I, I do that often, but it's like, <laughs> man, we, we, there's that, that battle that's there. Well, if yeah. you move into application and with you, sorry, Chris, I cut you off. <laughs> I don't know if you have a, a note that you can make to remember your point, but I wanted to ask because Pastor Brian, you've been a pastor for many years and just knowing your church and seeing how God is moving there and just kind of knowing your heart for people. I know that you have had, you must have had. There's so many interactions with people to where compromise and that you've seen the trajectories of compromise and stuff. And if you were to look at, I don't know, this wasn't on the notes, so it might take a second for you to think about it. But the the roots of things or where it can start or what underlies it or what, you know, you were talking about the flesh and the spirit. And that's kind of the theological way that we can look at it. But as you've seen it play out, kind of where do you see compromise coming in? I know there's a lot of different areas of our life that we can compromise, but if you were to kind of say, cool, if you could bolster up in one area or wherever the weakness tend to come. Yeah. I mean, I, I can talk from a male perspective. I mean, it usually is females, fame or fortune. Uh, you know, it's, it's girls, it's gold, it's the glory. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and none of that is new. First John uh, two, you know, it says all that's in the world, the lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life is not of the father, but of the world. The world passes away, the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God will abide forever. And I think that's really breaking down, like, where do we see that flesh out? I mean, I think every conversation that I have in counseling, every conversation I've had with people, I mean, it's it's the same thing. The, the enemy doesn't have any new tricks, guys. I mean, he he's the He's the same, right? It's like less flesh, less of the eyes, part of life. Look through every character in the Bible, and it'll be the exact same story of every person that you and I have, um, you know, encountered or stories we've heard about people that have compromised. Less flesh, less of the eyes, part of life. Yeah, and I think about my own story. I would say like my biggest struggles of the times that I kind of, you know, especially the one recently where like I stopped ministry, everything was just falling apart in my own life. I would say it all stemmed from a compromise of not doing some simple principles and, and like reading your Bible every day. You know, I compromised one day and said, okay, I won't do it because I'm too busy because I've got, and at that time I've got church stuff to get done. So I won't get in my word. And then the next day came and I was like, oh, well, I already haven't, I already skipped one day. I'll skip another day. Then guilt starts to kick in and it's, oh, since I haven't read those two days, now I'm going to start reading. And soon enough, it's, Oh, I haven't been in my word for months. I haven't prayed for months, but it all started in one small little spot. I, I like this quote. It's by A.W. Tozer. And it says one compromise here, another compromise there. And soon enough, the so-called Christian and the man in the world look the same. Mm. And I really like how, how he puts that because yeah, one little thing here, one little thing there. And it, with compromise, what makes it scary and it kind of gets us into our next question of why it's so dangerous, but what makes it scary is it's not like 
huge. It's, it's nothing big generally. Compromise. Compromise always starts off with the smallest decision. So now I'm going to throw back. How did I end up here? <laughs> yeah, that, then you hit that part. So I'm going to throw it back to you, Brian, with that question of how dangerous is compromise to the Christian life? Or let's rephrase it, the disciples' life. <laughs> uh, I, I think from the, the danger of it is, you know, there's that, that old song by Casting Crowns. It's a slow fade. You know, it's a slow fade. It doesn't just happen like in one moment. But I would also say there's the other side as well, too, that we're all only one or two decisions away from blowing up our entire life. Mm -hmm. Think about that. We're one or two decisions away from, from blowing up everything, whether that be our ministry for those that are in ministry. I mean, losing everything. We're one or two decisions away. That's how dangerous it is. How dangerous is it? One or two decisions away from you know, blowing up our marriage for those of us that are married, one or two decisions away, you know, from, you know, blowing up our purity, one or two decisions away. And so the, the danger that I, I feel and different people have different leverage points. Uh, but I know for me is, man, you're, you're going to live a life of uncertainty. I mean, you're going to, you're going to move to a place of, of hurting those that you love the most, you know, David, David, when he compromised, Psalm 51 in his prayer, I think says so much. He said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And I think the danger is losing your joy. And, and I believe joy and happiness are two different things. Uh, I think happiness is based upon your happening. So, hey, Disneyland reopened again. Yay, we're happy. Uh, okay, we're able to eat inside again. Yay. We can go back to church. Yay. Okay. Th those are all happenings that dictate our happiness, but, but joy is deeper and richer. And when I think about Philippians, I mean, that whole book is about how to have outrageous, contagious joy, where it says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And when you lose your joy, you lose your hope. And when you lose your hope, you lose everything. Yeah. So the danger of compromise is losing your hope, losing your joy. And that's why David, man, he, he prayed, return the joy of my salvation, man. I, I got to have that back because I feel like I'm just a, a walking zombie is what he was saying. And when you compromise, you, you, you give up more than that. And, not, and I'll say one last thing on this too. It's a ripple effect. It's like when you throw a rock and it goes out into you know, the water and there's that ripple. When you compromise, it doesn't just affect you, it affects other people as well. And there's always a ripple effect. Your, your sin isn't contained to just you. Your compromise isn't contained to just you. you. There's people that are watching you and more is caught than taught. And when you compromise, people see that, they mark it, you lose influence, whether it be with your children, people that serve in your ministry, whatever it may be. I, you know, I got an email the other day from, you know, a guy who was kind of hurt by another ministry leader that was, that was in our church, just because that guy compromised on something he said he wouldn't do. And he did. And now this guy's lost all respect of being able to see that guy as a shepherd in his life. And, and it, it was a compromise. Two things coming from that. And I'm not sure which one to go first. I'll just go with the last one because that's my memory works better. But when you're talking about compromise and how that ripple effect comes out is that we in America, think of ourselves as individuals, right? And like, we are building our life and that's what it is. But when we look at how God created us to be in unity and in fellowship, 
and that togetherness. And when you look at compromise, another way I looked it up and whatever the definition that came off of Google, it was talking about to bring into uh, disrepute or danger by foolish or reckless behavior. And the example it gives in situations in which his troops could be compromised. And if you look at us as disciples, as like the troops all standing together and compromise coming in and bringing danger into that point, like if I get hit, you know, by my compromise and that comes out, all of a sudden the ministry is getting hit, right? Because as in the example that you gave, it was like, oh, our integrity together is getting hit. Like, yes, there'll be the personal effects on me and whatever that's doing. But as you're saying, it's affecting other people. And as a unit, the enemy is trying to come and tear us apart. You know, if if one is by their own and they fall down, that's a pitiful state because nobody can help them up. But if you have two, you can stand back to back and fight off the enemy. And, the, and just like the amazing thing that is, because I've been alone in life, that's a hard spot to be. And if you're compromising and you're alone, yeah, it can feel very hopeless. And even when you're saying when you lose hope and you can even feel like God isn't with you anymore. But that's where I go beyond and what can make situations hopeless, which was my second point that you were making me think of, is that it's not just we compromise in a vacuum. I truly believe that there is spiritual realm all around us. There's interactions, all that. There is an enemy. And even just where Jesus says, if you slave, if sorry, if you sin, you are a slave to sin. And if you're a slave and you're in bondage, you start to lose hope, right? So compromise can go from like, oh, there's just this decision to, oh, I'm in bondage, I'm in slavery. And where, from where will my salvation come? Which again, what you brought up in uh, Psalm 51, finding the joy in salvation again. It's so dangerous. And I think because it, it, for me, when I think about it, answering this question, how is it dangerous? It's because I don't fully look at it as dangerous. I don't see compromise as something that's scary or that can hurt me. I don't see it as that. I, or, you know, I see it as like, uh, we've always got to do it. Kind of going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, like we've got to compromise here and there. So then I kind of apply that same. It's a big thing I've been on lately, looking at words that the world defines and then seeing how we define it in a biblical sense. So one of the big ones is like success, prosperity, and all that other stuff. Those kind of run into like, okay, well, the world defines it as this and how does God define success? But now when I look at other words like compromise, well, the world defines it as this, how does God define it? And, and God defines it as something that we shouldn't go into. But if I look at it through my fleshly eyes, then I don't see it as scary. I see it as a part of an everyday part of life. So then I can compromise because it's part of everyday part of life. And I can compromise in my spiritual relationship with God because it's part of everyday life. It, it's, uh, I heard Chuck Swindoll say he compared it to erosion, where mm -hmm. you don't see something getting eroded instantly. Mm -hmm. It's slowly day by day, day by day. And then eventually it's, it's something that isn't useful anymore. And that's the same, I think, that starts happening with us as Christians, because we do play with it as something we shouldn't. Like It, it is dangerous. And I think that's where I think the mentality needs to come in is back to making it a dangerous thing if there was an immediate thought a question came to mind that i wanted to pass your way brian is that we've looked a lot of so far the conversation has gone a lot towards oh compromise to the world and into those worldly kinds of things and just as we've been talking the moses came to mind and that moses right when god comes to him 
And Moses' response to God, when God was like, hey, I want you to go and do this thing. He's like, well, I can't do it for this reason, this reason, this reason. And lists off about five reasons why he couldn't do it. And God addresses all of those reasons. Yeah. And in the end of it, Moses is still saying, yeah, but I can't do it. And he comprom- it's almost like God compromised with Moses because God still wants to work you know, with man. And that, that's how he wanted to do it. And said, fine, you can bring Aaron along with you and Aaron will be your mouthpiece. And I think that on one hand, we can look at compromise to the world and to worldly things. But there's a lot of places where God is trying to call us into something or expecting us to live in a way by obedience or by faith to where we can compromise. And I think that where to a point, I see God many times in the Bible compromising with people saying, look, I want to work with you. If that's as far as you'll go, then that's as far, but there will be consequence. And I just, I was wondering if you have any thoughts coming at it from that perspective, as far as compromise in our walk with what God is expecting or trying to pull us into. But before you answer that question, let's hear from our sponsor and this quick ad about the Finding Something Real podcast. This episode of Your Church Friends is brought to you by Your Desires. Never satisfied and always wanting more or what someone else has. Your Desires, getting you one step closer to compromise. That's a really interesting thought about God compromising with us. And once again, the word compromise can play some tricks in our minds uh, because in one hand, we're like, okay, God, God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday. He's the, he's the same today. He's the same forever. That God is all knowing, you know, God is, you know, uh, uh, omnipresent. Uh, He's omnipotent, but, but God also, uh, so it's an interesting thought, but at the same time, uh, he, he, you're right. He did in that situation say, okay, here's Aaron. You gave up your leadership. Uh, so here's, what's going to happen, but man, uh, there's, there's compromises that happen because of that too. I mean, you go back and look at the golden calf yep. uh, and say, Hey, okay. That, that, that all happened. Why? Because there's Aaron in that. But I think God, God uses, you know, he, he uses people despite us. And I think he gives us opportunities. God, God's in the business of taking our, our misery and turn it into ministry too. So God can take what Satan meant for evil and turn into good, you know, as well. That's probably a thought. It's a good, uh, like you, I probably need a little more time to get, think through, okay, God compromising. That's a, that, that's an interesting thought. I like how you brought up, though, that even in it, you know, there's the ramifications of it. So it's still where God was like, okay, here's Aaron, just go get it done. Now, now your excuses are out here. Here it is. Go get what I've asked you to get done. But then there is still the the compromise of the goal or what happened was the consequence of the golden calf and how that affected everything and and with it. So it still seems to me like that compromise is a dangerous, it's a dangerous thing for us to be fiddling with and playing with as Christians, because I, I really like that, what you said, Brian, earlier, that we're one or two bad decisions away from wrecking everything. And if we just change the word to we're one or two compromises away from wrecking everything, then we really see in light of day what this thing is, that it's, it's, it's not something to be toyed with. We used to, I used to play a game with me and my brother as a wrestling game. And there was a term me and my brother started throwing out there. It was called playing with your food because we would play against each other or against the computer. And if we were really, really winning, you know, especially if I was playing with my brother, I just wanted to rub it in more that I was beating him. <laughs> and he would do the same thing. 
And there was this one time he's just rubbing it in. He's he's got my character badly damaged. And out of nowhere, I hit it with a like a, this roll up pin. One, two, three. He lost a match that he was winning. He should have won decisively. He ended up losing and he just looked at me and he said, that's what I get for playing with my food. And I think it's the same thing when we put that in our spiritual walk that we, we tentatively kind of not play with our food in the sense of like food, food, but we play games. We play both sides. We try to play the fence of I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to live for Christ all in. But in this area, I'm going to let a little, little this or that in. And when we do that, that's the one or two bad decisions that end up wrecking everything. So I really liked all this to get, as we kind of get rolling towards the close of this, to get to the end of everything, how do we combat compromise in our lives? Yeah, that's really good. I, you, you brought a, a, a thought in my mind that I want to talk about how to combat it, at least things for me uh, in, in my life. But I, uh, I, I read this book uh, by Henry Cloud uh, called Integrity, and it's such a great book. I highly recommend it. And when I, when I was thinking about compromise and this whole idea of compromise, it's like, you know, the, the opposite of compromise is really integrity. It's being yep. complete. It's being whole. He told this great story. He said Henry Cloud was at his church. And Henry Cloud, for those of you who don't know, is a clinical psychologist. Uh, he wrote the book Boundaries, probably one of his most famous books. But he's also a very fully devoted follower of Christ as well. And he's at church one, one Sunday, and the single mom comes up to him and says, Hey, Dr. Cloud, you've got to meet with my, my two boys. You know, one of them was 18 years old. The other one's 20 years old. And she said, they think that success is all about having money, all about being an influencer, all about having this car or all about wearing this. And she said, can you tell my kids uh, what it means to be a success? And, and, you know, Henry Cloud is humble and he's like, oh, I don't know what success is, but but he knew real fast, this was a single mom that he wasn't going to be able to get off the hook on. All right. It's like, she, she's, she's persistent. So he says, okay, he says, I'll, I'll, I'll go out to breakfast with your, with your boys. Well, he says, man, he starts thinking about what is it, what does it look like to be successful? And he said, he, he's interviewed a lot of people. He knows a lot of successful people. And he thought, what did they have in, in trade? And he said, it was, it was tough, but he said, he sat down with those boys and here's what he told them. He said, if you really want to be successful in life, there's three things you got to have. Number one, you have to be a master in your field. Okay. Mark Zuckerberg, he understands social media. He's a master of it. Uh, you, you take, um, you know, a surgeon has to be a master at their field, you know, put their 10,000 hours in. If you're going to be in ministry and you're, you're going to be a pastor, you, you need to know theology. You need to know the word. It's like, hey, you got to be a master in your field. So that's, that's principle number one. But then he said, principle number two is you have to be an alliance builder. Because there's a lot of people that know their field, but they don't have the relational abilities to be able to connect with other people to build alliances. And if you, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, you have to go with others. So he's like, okay, you, you've got to be able to build alliances with people. But he said, but there's a third thing, and it's the most important. You have to have the integrity not to screw it all up. Because <laughs> how many people do we know? that are masters at their field, really good at what they do. And then go to a separate level, man, are, are good at building alliances, good at building teams, equipping people, making things happen. But man, that third, as I said, you can lose it all. That's the danger of it is you lose it all. And, and you know, one of my favorite definitions of, of character is who you are when no one's looking. But, mm -hmm. but I have a better definition that I find from my life right now. 
it's keeping what I worked so hard to gain. I've worked hard uh, and, and, and God is blessed. And, you know, I've worked hard to have a, a healthy marriage. I've worked hard to, to have a great relationship with my kids. I've worked hard to have a good name in my community, a good name in my church, where the Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And, and I've, worked, I've worked hard on these things. And true integrity for me is keeping what I've worked so hard to, to be able to gain. I know that we're doing audio and I was just nodding the entire time you were speaking. That was great stuff. And what a, what a great encouragement towards it. Like, yeah, if you have integrity, work hard to keep that, that that is one of the best things against compromise is to realize where you're at and God's blessing within the integrity. And, and yeah, don't lose that for the sake of what, or why would you compromise? I like that. I had a couple of thoughts, but Chris, do you have anything? Because I'm, I'm probably going to take it in a different direction than what Brian was talking about. I did. I like the integrity part of it also. How do we, we combat it is, you know, make sure your integrity is intact and your character is intact. And I, I really liked what you said, Brian, that keeping what I've worked so hard to gain, because that, yeah, I, I want to keep my family. I want to keep my kids. I, I want to keep the things that that God has blessed me with. So what do I do? I keep my character intact. I keep my integrity intact. One of the things I was thinking as you were talking about, though, as far as when we look at compromise is the, why do I compromise? And I looked at, you know, the when you look at examples, the perfect example of someone who didn't compromise, you always look at Daniel and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They were put in an awful situation where they had to worship an image or stop praying. And they were like, no, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. But before that, they were also put in a situation to feast on what the world has to offer. And they said, no, we'd rather keep our bodies holy and pure for God. But when I think about compromise and why, a lot of times it's because oh no, I'm going to look bad if I don't do this. So I'll compromise so I don't look bad in front of someone else. Or gosh, I, I just don't know how I'm going to make ends meet today. So I'll compromise and just take a little bit from somewhere else that I shouldn't be putting my hands in. You know, a, a lot of times I like those, what did you say? Those, the three G's were girls, glory, and gold. Yeah. The, which is awesome. But a lot of times, yeah, we're compromising for relationships. We're compromising to get wealthy, or maybe because we just need something else, or we're compromising for our own fame, for my own, for people to not lose the image that I've created of myself and a way to combat all that, because we're not perfect. And I think that's where I want to kind of get it to understand that just because we're saying don't compromise, none of us are perfect, we're not going to go without sin. And the way to combat compromise is to be honest. Yeah. to be open. And that's the integrity part, right? To go to another brother and say, Hey, I struggled with this. I looked at that female way too long and it did some stuff in my brain. Yeah. I'm in a spot where I, I took from a company and I shouldn't have, or, or I'm at the point where I'm going to like, uh, I can't remember who said it. It may have been Ken. He says a bunch of wise things that, that, uh, Yoda of him and he could have, uh, but it was said, um, Tell on yourself before you're going to do it. So that way you're, you've got someone to keep you in check and, and that you don't fall into that trap of, oh, I'm at that crossroad now. What do I do? I'll just give in today. But if you're at the place where you've told on yourself way before it even happens, then, then I think that saves you from falling into that dangerous territory. I got yeah. so much to say, Murdoch, but it's your turn. <laughs> Maybe I should just pause. I know we only have uh, a couple minutes before we have to wrap it up. But just looking at 
keeping the integrity and keeping for what you've worked towards and and Chris the things that you were adding towards that but really for me just with a little bit of time that we have at the end I know that when we started off okay well what's a Christian there's 80 percent of people say that they're Christian but they're really not they might have been at some point and I really think that compromise got them to the point right they at some point they're like oh cool there's God there's Jesus there's whatever and just will you follow him? And, you know, somewhere along the way, they came off of that. And maybe they came off of that after following for years and decades to where, you know, compromise has landed somebody in a bad spot. And I know that compromise landed me in the worst of spots. And it's a weird thing to be in a completely hopeless place and a powerless place and realizing all the destruction that's come from it. But what I've realized, the thing that kept me there in a really weird way was pride is that even within all of that, I wouldn't come and submit to God and ask him for his forgiveness and ask him for his help and realizing I'm in a situation where I need salvation. I need God. And there's all of the guilt and all of the condemnation and all of the everything that can come with how did I end up here and I'm dealing with these things and life is a mess and I'm a mess and everything else. But it's like, why won't you bow your knee to God? Why won't you break your heart open before him and let him in and let him fix because he already knows the mess. And if we're honest, when you're in a point of compromise and things are bad, from where does your help come from? You know, comes from the Lord. And that's a message to people who are Christians and trying to follow or, you know, came off compromise hit at some point is that the only path back to restoration is Chris, how you were saying that honesty, but it needs to be, you need to be honest with yourself and honest with God. And then allow him to walk you through how to repair the stronghold, right? Because if something's been compromised, it's been broken into, the enemy's in there, sin's in there, guilt, condemnation, the whole thing is in there. And you need to let God in there to start repairing your life and to just go, hey, you know what? I can try and put on the hypocrisy and put on the mask that like, this is where I'm at in life. But that's obviously not fixing anything. Like you can put on the airs of having integrity. But if you're honest with yourself and honest with God, if you compromise, then you need to rebuild integrity and start from that starting point. You can't skip steps, you know, when it comes to this thing, you can't cheat integrity. So if there has been compromise, the only way to it is to have legitimate integrity, to have a clear conscience, to have a pure heart. And just the encouragement in that, because with where I'm at today, God has recovered me from very much bad parts of compromise. And he's a good God who is faithful even when we're not. So that was just my part to add into the end of it. That's really good. I, I like what you guys are talking about with uh, authenticity and being real. You know, you talked about wearing a mask. And I grew up in a church that was very much, you, you wore a mask on Sundays, you, you talk perfect. And what happened through the week was, was different. When, whenever we, we started talking, you know, talking about what is Crosspoint going to look like and what's God calling us to, we were very much saying, we're going to take the mask off because when you wear a mask, only your mask gets loved. Man, if you truly want to experience God's grace and God's love. And I also think too, as leaders, we're talking about, you know, friends in ministry, you know, as leaders as well, you impress people from a distance, but you only impact them when you're up close, when you're authentic, when you're real. And, and that's where you truly connect. And and I, I would also say too, like for me, I, I don't claim to be the best Christian in the world. I do claim to be a good confessor, to keep short accounts with God, to keep short accounts with my wife, to keep short accounts, because we are sinners, we're, we're fallen, uh, we're, we're going to make mistakes. 
But I think that's where you stop that slow fade we were talking about earlier. As whenever we, we confess, First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful, just forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, you know, a couple practical things that, that I do uh, in my life is I set up guardrails around girls' golden glory. And so <laughs> for me, I'll just give you a couple practical things that I do because I go overboard. Some people say, oh, Brian, you're going overboard. And I say, well, I'd rather go overboard than get thrown overboard. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to be careful not to compromise. So uh, here, I'll, I'll take each one. I'll kind of take each one at a time. Let's go um, here. Let's go girls first. Let's go females. Man, that's a real temptation in my life. Uh, that, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a battle. That's a struggle, you know, that, uh, that, that men face. Uh, Hebrew says there's a sin that does so easily beset us. I know that's mine that I have to be careful of. And I, I go to the gym. I love to work out at the gym. But man, that's a tough place. It's like an alcoholic going into a bar. I mean, you got to be careful. And, and uh, you know, the, the old book, uh, Every Man's Battle, such a good book where he talks about balancing your eyes. That's a principle that I do. Uh, man, I, I balance. It's like when your finger hits a hot stove, what do you do? You pull it up real fast. You know, so, same thing uh, with my eyes, to, to train my eyes, to balance my eyes. Scripture, man, scripture is my thing. So you know, I, I start with Matthew 5, 28, you know, that, that tells me, do not lust after her beauty within her heart. Don't let her take you with her eyelids. Um, Job, you know, that says, hey, I made a covenant with my eyes that I won't look after, you know, another woman. And then sometimes I got to pull out the big guns. Proverbs 7, 27, her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers <laughs> of death. It's like, you, you know, I, I've got to quote through scriptures to, to help me because I think that transforms my, my mind. Another thing, too. I play the role of the dweeb. So when I'm not around my, my wife, if there's, a, if there's another female that is there, I am the most uh, non-charismatic, non-smiley, robot, worst person, head down dweeb guy. I don't turn on charm. I don't turn on care. I, I just, I, I play this role of like not needing to feel, uh, flood my own pride or arrogancy. Here's another prayer I pray. This will scare the dot com right out of you right here. Uh, I, I pray this prayer. God, give my son, Braden and my daughter, Mercedes and Nick Nick, the same amount of victory over their sexual temptation as I am experiencing right now. And, and that puts me at a place of like, I don't want my kids to struggle with lust in a way that I had before. So I put some boundaries mm -hmm. around those things. Those are some things I think that are probably the, the key areas when it comes to gold and, and money. For, for me, I think uh, a lot of like uh, sin of compromise when it comes to money has to do with not being content with, with where you are. And so we've just made a decision. We're not buying another house, even if we can afford another house. I'm a Honda Accord guy. I'll always be a Honda Accord guy. Uh, the, the, like this is the contentment. And Paul said, I've learned whatsoever state I'm at to be content. And so content, this is, this is where I'm at. And so the other piece I think is generosity. Greed is at the center of that sin. And the antidote to greed is generosity. And so for me, it's very much about, I, I, was, I was highly influenced by Rick Warren's talk when he talked about giving away 90% of his money or, or a percent every year that he was in ministry. And so when I came to our church, that's what we did is we started giving 10%, the next year, 11%, the next year, 12%, next year, 13%. And, 
And I'm just amazed at how God has just continued to keep blessing us because of generosity, but I've stayed in this contentment level, but my, I have giving goals. Hey, how can I give more to the kingdom? And, and that is a, is a piece of saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go overboard. And then the last one would be pride and arrogancy. And I think we all have arrogancy, heart strings. And anybody that says they're humble, well, that's just not, <laughs> you can't be humble and say it. <laughs> and, and, and I think of 1 Peter 5, 5, that says, clothe yourself in humility. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I've got to put on, it's a biblical fashion statement, some 1 Peter 5, 5 wear every day to say, and one of my phrases I love to use is when God blesses someone else, I want to celebrate other people. And, and I want to be able to say, go God. Or when people compliment me, it's okay to say thank you, but I also say, go God. And I think those are just a few things that I've just put in my life. And, and I want to make sure that I, I go overboard. So it's almost like a cliff. And, you know, if, you, if you're at the Grand Canyon, and you go right to the edge. How far can I go without falling off? If you keep doing that, one of these days you're going to fall off. I just want to take some steps back away from the cliff and go really overboard with stuff. You know, I don't ride alone with a woman. You know, I don't meet uh, with another woman alone. I meet in triangles a lot. I'll meet with me and two women, me and three women, uh, especially on our staff. We have several women that are in leadership. I just never do that alone. Uh, I'm, I'm just careful to really go overboard. And then you guys mentioned it earlier, just accountability. Uh, you can always lie with accountability, but accountability. And, and I want to be careful what I put in my mind. So like, man, I don't, I don't watch R-rated movies. You know, I'm real careful about what I, what I put in my mind. I don't watch a lot of movies and a lot of TV. I, I, uh, I've got a few things that I do, but I'm just careful about what I put in because what I put in is what's going to come out. But I want to be careful to say all this too. all the strategies, everything I just said are things that I try to put in place. But I would also say this too, that first Corinthians 10, 13 used to be my verse in high school. That was like in college, there's no temptation taking you, but such as common man, God's faithful, who will with the temptation also make a way of escape. But I think I have a verse that's more important to me now. It's the verse right before it. First Corinthians 10, 12, wherefore, let him that think he stands, take heed lest he fall. Because once again, we're one or two decisions away from blowing up our life. And I want to take heed, not thinking I got it all together. Otherwise, I could fall. That's some really great stuff there. Gosh, we are way past the time that you need to get to your next appointment. And I really wish we could go keep going because you brought up a lot of stuff there. But we'll do a part two someday and, and knock this that. one out. But I've really enjoyed it, Brian. Thanks for all of that at the end. I love all the breakdowns of the three G's that you have for yourself personally, because even if I look at myself, I think like that, those are kind of like roots and they all produce little branches and little trees. So for me, my root would be glory. Like if I'm to say, which one of these do I struggle with more? Definitely glory. I, I, I love the attention and the glory and the fame, which is why I always pray God. It, it, like even when we're talking about our podcast, Hey God, grow it in a, in a way that's healthy for myself, because if it's not, then I know myself, I will compromise and do something stupid when I get glory and fame. So, but I've loved all that stuff. And I think I'll have to wrap up the show now, because if not, I'm going to keep talking. So I'll let you go. I am Chris. I'm Mueller. Brian. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you so much, Brian.
Cool. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a good time at dinner tonight. Hey, thanks for the opportunity, guys. It was fun. No problem. I will see you tonight. All right. See you tonight. Hi, everybody. I'm Casey. I'm Remy. And I'm Reed. We really appreciate you listening to our dad's podcast. If you can leave a review on what you like about the show. Or leave a five-star rating. Also, check out their website. It's, it's, Remy, what is it? It's on the tip of my tongue. What is it? Yourchurchfriends.rocks Oh yeah, that's it. On the website, you can listen to our past episodes. Join the Facebook group page. And more.